Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Bible and Banter. Sorry, we're a couple of minutes late. Mike and I were just hanging out. Mike is, uh, Mike, t- why don't you tell everyone where you're at? I'm at home. And as I was telling Eric, I don't have my own little office at home. I set up on the kitchen table. And the reason I'm home is because last week I tested positive for COVID. And so I'm finishing up my quarantine and and I've got a blanket on because our house is old and drafty and it's winter here in Maine. And so mm-hmm. what it, what's the temperature outside right now? 17 degrees outside. Goodness uh, gracious. Right now and I'm by a window. So a uh, blanket helps. I bet. Uh, yeah. You got a nice little shawl on. Yeah. You look like an old granny. Yep. It's actually two years ago we got Erica for Mother's Day a blanket that says mom on the top and it has each of the boys' names and their birthdays next to it. Uh-huh. And so I'm wearing her mom blanket. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. That's really sweet. She went so I Robin always gets all the nice blankets and then me and the kids steal them from her. That's pretty much kind of what happens here. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. So we're gonna talk about discipleship today, marks of a disciple and whatnot, but before we get to our topic, there's a lot of other stuff that uh, I was paying attention to recently um uh, on the twitterverse and and stuff that's happening out there in social media so did you see what uh what owen strand uh said last week about uh guys having long hair no i missed that i've actually kind of someone one of my facebook friends posted something from him that i didn't disagree with but every anytime i see his name lately i just kind of roll my eyes and scroll past real fast I just wonder how he was a professor at like a good seminary like Midwestern, you know, for so long. And, and, you know, obviously now he's, he's not there anymore. Um, Not much has come out about that and stuff, which is good, I think. But Mm -hmm. dude, it's like, it's like, he's really trying to make it, make himself turn into a constant eye roll whenever people see his name. Cause he said last week, he, he essentially said that, um, because long hair for men is starting to come back into style, apparently. And uh, if it's ever been in style, I'm not quite sure. I'm not, mm-hmm. you and I are obviously people that don't have long hair. Mm-hmm. But he was saying that it's because uh, men are becoming more effeminate and that men are trying to be more like women. Um, and I just thought, like, goodness right. gracious, man. And he essentially equated it to being sinful. Like, one should not, uh, one, a man shall not have long hair. I think um, he should grow a beard then and never shave anything ever again. So he does kind of ha- kind of have like a baby beard. Uh like he's got he's got something going on, but I hardly call it a beard. Yeah, you know what I'm finding? And I hate to say it's it's his camp that founders ministry guys. Um they've put out a lot of solid stuff, especially when it comes to the prosperity gospel, health and wealth mm-hmm. prosperity gospel. Um but I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and I, I came to the realization that uh, I think they're trying to make their umbrella smaller and smaller for what is acceptable in the eyes of the Lord and wear that as a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Like I will not be surprised if at some point they re- reinterpret the 144,000 in revelation to be them. It's it's sad because I think many of those guys had a really good platform and they still have a platform 
And there, like you said, there have been some good works that have come out of Founders Ministry. And I don't know if he's part of Founders, but um, kind of that stream of Reformed yeah. Baptists. Um, there's been some beneficial stuff, but goodness gracious, it's like they're almost the opposite ends of the spectrum of your Andy Stanley stuff that you've been working through. Yeah. Excuse me. The Andy Stanley stuff I've been working through. Yeah. You posted something on Facebook about reading something of Andy. Oh Stanley. yeah. 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 We had to, I had to read and it was like my third time reading. It. I had to read it for one of my doctor of ministry classes, his book deep and wide and uh, write a compare and contrast paper with, uh, Jared C. Wilson's The Prodigal Church, which The Prodigal Church is phenomenal. I highly recommend it for church leaders and um, and lay people alike. It's it's excellent. Um, so it really talks about you know the importance of of the church and the role of the church and how we've kind of got been off kilter for the last hundred or so years, maybe a little bit less, but um, it's it's a really good work. So I had to compare and contrast that. So I think I shared last week on on social media some of the stuff that I was that I was wrestling with. But yeah. um, Stanley, man, like his writing, there's parts where I'm like, yeah, this this is great. And then you get to other parts and you go, whoa, this is just this is yeah. awful. It really is. So, um, yeah. And then did you so so on a lighter note, um, did you know that uh, Neil Young? Uh, the the famous rock musician okay. uh, has petitioned Spotify to remove his music from Spotify unless they take down the Joe Rogan podcast, which is by most accounts the most popular podcast in the world, the most downloaded yeah. or listened to. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what? And now there's people, man. There's like conservatives and. Uh, and some others who are like, eh, forget Neil Young, take you know, Joe Rogan forever. I'm like, dude, I listen to Neil Young, man. Neil Young's got some bangers. Uh, so, so please don't take down Neil Young, but also, uh, I don't listen to, to Joe Rogan all that often. It's more on occasion. I probably listen to him half a dozen to a dozen times. I'll listen to a clip here or there. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting because I was, I was, I was reading a thread on someone talking about like, why Joe Rogan's podcast, I think it's called the Joe Rogan experience. Um, why it's so popular and, and it's popular mostly among men, largely conservatives, but people, people were also commenting like the reason they like his podcast is that he engages with people um, that are across the spectrum. Like he doesn't just engage with people in his own camp. He engages people that are outside of his camp and even some people who are like bonkers and just like entertains them, <laughs> like, like entertains yeah. their, lets them go on long rants and then like asks some introspective questions. He can be pointed. Well, he treats it like an actual conversation, yeah. not an interview. Yeah. There's a huge difference between a conversation and an interview. Um, and I mean, he, he's just, he's just himself. Like he doesn't worry about, I mean, it's a podcast, so he can swear, he can say whatever he, he wants and, and everything. And, and one thing that I appreciate about his podcast, not so much the swearing, but Hey, it is what it is. I shouldn't expect him to be a certain way when he's not a Christian. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think what he does is he asks questions. Normal people are asking. Yeah. 
He's where, very relatable, I think. Yeah, and so that whenever I watch, you know, once a week approximately here in Maine, our, our CDC director holds a briefing or whatever because we're still in a pandemic. And I have all these questions, and I'm pretty sure other people have them. Um, and they're even questions that, like, come up, like, via the Internet, social media. And yet they're never asked of the CDC director who you'd think would have the answers, you know, even, yeah. even silly questions like, you know, anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but I I'm like, you know, the CDC director, I think would do a world of good if he were to actually take real time questions or misinformation or conspiracy stuff and actually address them rather than just, you know, approving you know, or the, rather than just telling the media what they, what they really should be asking about, mm-hmm. you know, like engaging with, you know, some of the things that are coming out that are skeptical. And, and I think that's something that Joe Rogan does well is he, he runs the gamut. Yeah. Um, you know, there aren't a, a, you know, there aren't an approved set of questions or this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. He's, he's an interesting, interesting yeah. dude. And, um, I don't listen to him because like, I just, I listen to other stuff. Uh, I, I just, I don't like, if there's an interview that would be interesting, like I think I listened to one where he did with uh, Alex Jones, who's kind of like a right wing, like super conspiracy theorist guy. Um, I listened to, to part of an interview just cause it was, I just wanted to hear them interact and it, it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Last night, I don't know if you listened to Preston Sprinkle's podcast. Um, it's called Theology in the Raw. On occasion, he, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't listen to it all the time. Like I just wait to see what the topic is, who he's interviewing, and then I can and then I decide on whether or not I'm going to listen to from there. But he so he's a theology professor. I forget where. I think it's some it might be somewhere in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's fairly well known and I would say he's probably got one of the more popular Christian podcasts, um, but he engages with people <clears throat> similar in a similar fashion to Joe Rogan in that this, in that he, he approaches it as a conversation and he's genuinely curious. He doesn't push back all that much in the sense of like, he's had transgender folks on there and he'll self-admit like, listen, I have friends who are transgendered or who are on this, you know, whatever. And he's like, I'm just trying to understand. Like, I believe, I believe the Bible says this, that man, that, that God has created man and woman, but like, I'm still trying to understand your perspective, how you've come to, you know, and I appreciate that. I need to hear, I want to hear those conversations. I don't, I don't want to just like have someone say, yeah, I'm transgendered and then shut them down immediately. I want to hear what's going on. That's where I find him the most helpful is those conversations. Because for example, he, he believes in the, he agrees with the biblical conservative one man, one woman, male, female, yada, yada, yada. But he has a real heart to listen to the lived experience of transgender Christians to the, to the point that he even goes a little bit further than I might in saying it's okay to say you're a gay Christian, you know, mm-hmm. as long, you know, but he'd say you need to be celibate. And, and I haven't read too much about too much on his or listened to too much on his interaction with the transgender. Uh, but I know it would be helpful if I took the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that I think is more the type of conversation that's helpful today. A co- actual conversation, not yeah. debates, not interviews, but actual conversations um, about 
these things that the church is is facing yeah um but but really from from ground level church i'm noticing to to you know global you know western church um you know nationally we're just really more just interested in getting our point across and help you know and bullying people into conformity with the way we think rather than really trying to understand Mm -hmm. uh the other the other side and why they think the way they do or why they interpret it this way or that way. And, you know, and I keep thinking about it and I'm like, Adamant Christians should really be good at this stuff because we've been trying to do it with like conditional immortality and soul sleep for so long that we should really have more of a sensitivity to, towards those um, who may disagree with us. Yeah. But instead, I think it's in some ways, especially with some sectors of the older generation, more hardened them. Did I I tell you that I had a conversation with a guy last week that called me a heretic? No, please indulge. Yeah. So last week, you know, I'm going to, I won't say names or anything like that, but there's a guy I listened to. I listened to his podcast and um, I actually have to read one of his books and which I've already completed for one of my church planting classes. And um, so he's part of a, a network of church planting and, and all that. And so, so I reached out to him because he has a history and a network of, of churches that plant among uh, military communities. So I, I reached out pretty much like, Hey, like, this is who I am. I intend to plant a church. Um, in this area, I have a specific eye towards planting a church that's going to reach veterans and and all that. And I imagine there could be some overlap in your demographic and my demographic in in which we're trying to reach. And I just love to learn the lessons that you've learned and and kind of just, so, um, we zoomed my, it was after the podcast last week. So we zoomed last week and, um, so he was just trying to get to know me because I get the sense that he probably expected that I was looking to join their network, um, which was not what I was trying to do. I was just trying to do exactly what I said I was trying to do. Um, so he starts asking, you know, I said, you know, I'm part of a small denomination. We haven't had a lot of success doing this in the past. So I'm really trying to really bulk things up so I can have as many tools in the tool belt as possible, you know, to be successful. So he's asked what denomination, and of course, Advent Christian, but don't worry, it's not Seventh-day Advent Christian. Um, And I said, you know, we're largely, you know, Baptistic in in many of our beliefs, at least in my experience with the SBC, um, except for a few minor points. And then, yeah, oh, what are those? I shared about conditional mortality. Well, I could tell that he started like on his computer Googling what all this stuff was. And um, he looked like kind of very distraught, <laughs> like, like very confused or, or whatever. So, um, so it was like, wait, hold on. So is this like annihilationism? So we kind of get into this conversation. It's like, all right, all right. So I'm not saying you're a heretic. I'm, I'm going to try and help you and have this conversation. Let's set this stuff aside. Cause I don't understand it. I'm not a theologian. Um, but this kind of makes me a little uncomfortable. So let's, so let's set this aside right now. We'll talk about this other stuff. And I was just kind of like really taken aback. I appreciated that he still, you know, you know, he's aside. we could have um, further conversation. But it was just like that's the first experience I've had where someone has even alluded to to me being a heretic for 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 that belief. So um, new experience last week. It was interesting. 
So. I feel you, dog. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a local church in this area um, that uh, a couple years ago, the pastor reached out to me, and he's actually a big Doug Wilsonite, mm. um, reached out to me asking some clarifying questions um, on what we believe about what happens to you after you die and, and that, that, this, that. And I, I really gave him like, well, here, here's what we believe that here's where I might have some nuance, yada, yada, yada. And apparently I, although I haven't been able to see it, he took all of that and wrote a tract or like a pamphlet to his church, basically condemning, um, our, our viewpoint without, really, and, and I want to see the pamphlet because I'm sitting here and I'm like, did he, even interact and see the humility that I drenched it with. Um, Why don't you reach out to the guy? Why don't you give him a call? Oh, give because call. It doesn't, it's not it's not worth my 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 oh. energy and time. Um, <clears throat> we're on two, two different stratospheres. Yeah, well, I, I, like, uh, like my whole my, 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 folks are are very are very hardcore fundamentalists. Um, well, and and the thing is, I I don't know where my my energies probably are not best laid in trying to get people to open up their umbrella. Mm-hmm. That's just not where my energy is best spent. Yeah, because um, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's it's difficult to try to get people to see past their own umbrella. Yeah, and, and that's it's shade. I'm sorry about that, Mike. No, it's okay. I didn't take it personally. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, that was that was interesting. But anyway, last night I was listening to uh, that theology in the raw podcast with Preston Sprinkle, and he had an actress on who's a Christian actress. Um, she she grew up Presbyterian. Kind of like shares her a little bit of her testimony. I forget her name by now, but I I guess she's been in like a lot of stuff. But she was sharing about how, like, the challenges of being in Hollywood and the Christian. It wasn't, like, in one sense, it wasn't the same things I thought they would be as far as, like, what the challenges were. But there were some things where I'm like, oh, yeah, I get that. I totally understand how. Like, she was talking about she had to turn that apart, like, this year um, that required nudity. Like, and not just, like, a little bit of nudity, but, like, full frontal nudity, um, tons of sex scenes and all that stuff. And she's like, listen, I. I'm an actress, but I'm also a Christian. And like, I really wrestled with as an artist because I I might view things a little bit differently than most conservative Christians regarding nudity um, because of my background. But like, I did not feel comfortable doing this. I didn't think it honored the Lord. I didn't think it honored my husband. I like, I can't think of having these full frontal nude scenes, sex scenes when I have like a prepubescent uh, boy in my ha- like like I just can't like this is just very difficult for me so um, it was just it was interesting to hear how she thought through stuff mm. and how like how she she expresses like over the last few years she's really grown in her faith in her understanding um, in her hunger for the word and her hunger for following Jesus it's just been really cool it was it was a really good listen man it was the most recent episode on theology in the rock I encourage you to to listen if you get a chance see i get plenty of opportunity driving back and forth late at night from hockey yeah uh like uh i like to listen to music sometimes but oftentimes because it can be so late i try to have like a conversation some kind of podcast because it keeps me more alert than mm-hmm. if i were just listening to music so it was good really good um 
yeah, Mike, you got anything else before we uh, before we move into our topic? Um, are you? No. Are, wait, wait, wait. We haven't talked about this in a while. Um, when you when you gonna come down to to Evan Christian Village next week for the leaders conference? What day? Oh, what day? I, I'm not coming. Mike, Michael, J. Alex. Why? No one, uh, no one really put the screws to me to to make it happen. No one put the screws to you. Nope. I just I hounded you incessantly. I hounded you incessantly. Oh, oh, you can hound me all you want. I'm a good can kicker. So, so what do I, what do I got to do to get you? I, I listen. I'll call Jay Nash right now. While I will call him right now to see if we can still get you on the on the docket next week. Come on, man! You, you're going to be over COVID by then. Uh, your family's not going to miss you. We know that's for sure. Um, you know, with uh, with Asher on the floor, pretending to be a uh, um, what did you say? A hippopotamus? A walrus? A walrus? <laughs> he can entertain the whole family while you're gone. He does. That is true. He is very uh, entertaining. Come on, Mike. Mike. Know, I'm sorry. I just never put any wheels to it, and time just kept going on. And it's not too late. Eh, it, it is. Not, you can. I will. You listen. You I need to this. mentally prepare for vacations or trips and everything, and to to put effort into this at such a last minute is. Mike, I want to hang out with you. I know. I know. Well, when you move up to New England, we'll we'll be closer, and we can make it happen. Well, maybe we can get some of those. So uh, maybe uh, um, Andy and Derek can get some of those Restoration Network gatherings back together up at the bay. But it seems like maybe COVID's probably put the kibosh on that for. for yeah, now. I haven't heard much of, much about it, but I also haven't asked. But Mike, man, Mike, oh man, I've never been more disappointed. Never oh, in my whole life. True. I don't believe in that. my whole life. I've never that. been more disappointed. I think yeah. I think you've built it up so much that I'm actually glad I'm not going because I think oh, if I actually did come, no. you'd be even more disappointed. No, uh, because that's generally what happens when people get to know me in a more more personal way. They they find themselves to be much more disappointed. Mikey, Mikey. Well, <laughs> since how you're not coming down, which I'm very disappointed about. Um, we haven't done. I haven't mentioned Tom Loggery in a while and given him a rash of a uh, rash of a hard time. Um, so, so I'm I'm in a group chat with 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 Tom, and uh, I asked him when he was coming down, you know, going down to because Matt Rice and I are leaving Tuesday of next week, and because I think there's a golf tournament on Wednesday, so he wanted to be down there for that. And we're traveling together, so whoever's going to be down there on Wednesday all day that's not playing golf, we can hang out. Um, but. Yeah, so I asked him, and he said, oh, I'm not leaving until Wednesday. And I said, well, why not Tuesday, man? He said, it's my birthday. And I refuse to be at the airport on my birthday. So then I do what I always do, and I try to you know, make him feel bad. So I, uh, so I was like, do, do you have any idea what I did for the first three out of four birthdays after high school when I, when I was a young man? I was either deployed or in basic training. Um, you can do anything on your birthday. It is not a special day. Yeah, I usually work on my birthday. I don't take it as a special day off. Boom. Apparently Tom Logger does. So well, um, some, some people just never grow up. 
Yeah. He said he's turning the big three Oh, he's turning 30. He said he's, he's feeling old now or he's, or he's coming to the realization that he's going to die soon. Um, yeah. So I'm two Tom years Lock- away from 40. I don't want to hear it. You know who is 40, Who's which that? I didn't realize that until they chimed in in this conversation. Bickford. Oh yeah. You know, that makes sense. He's, but he's more yeah. like an 80-year-old man trapped in a 40-year-old man's body. Yeah, I was going to say, he's been 40 for a real long time. <laughs> yeah, I think he came out of the womb 40 years old. <laughs> Benjamin Button. <laughs> yeah. He is he is an old soul, an old soul. Uh, well, anyway, let's let's get past making fun of our friends. Um, so, so, Mike, we're going to talk about Marks of a Disciple, and, and we're doing it because um, I had to write a paper about it. And then as I was writing my paper, I thought, wow, this is actually really, really useful. And, and part of like, like it's an assignment in one of my doctor of ministry classes where like you have to write this paper, which I shared with you. And then you have to create a, an assessment um, that gauges people where they're at in correlation to those marks of a disciple. And you could write between four and seven marks of a disciple um, they're supposed to be more broad. And then you could have things underneath it at, that you flesh out in your, in your um, assessment tool. So then you, you get the assessment tool approved and then you send it out to people to have them take it. Well, yesterday I shared on, on Facebook, the assessment tool I created, but um, I, I did it for the purpose of not really looking at people's, like I, I looked at people's answers because I wanted to see if I was getting the information I was hoping to get, not that they would give me the answers I was hoping for, but that, that, that the, that I could draw conclusions and it could be a helpful tool. So that, you know, when you do that, you're trying to refine questions and improve them so that they're, they're more clear and, and all that stuff. So, um, so as I did that, I was like, man, it'd be really cool for us to talk about discipleship and, and specifically marks of a disciple. I had some conversation with some guys yesterday about this. So, um, so Mike, I mean, I think both of you and I have read Dever's work on marks of, uh, of a healthy church, mm-hmm. um, also named the nine marks series written by Mark Dever, which, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of funny, but, um, <laughs> so Mike, do you, th- do you think, let, let's start this way. Do you think that one can objectively look at their life and draw from their life uh, like evidence, objective evidence that they are a disciple of Christ, like that they can, um, or a healthy disciple of Christ. Yes. Okay. <laughs> what shall, would you like to expand well, on that? Well, listen. I mean, I, I mean, every every time we do communion, you know, we take into mind the scripture that Paul says to you know, weigh ourselves to see that we are in the faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on one side, we're, we're called to, you know, look at our own, look internally, look at how we're doing in our faith with Christ. <clears throat> and an extension of that would be, okay, how am I, you know, how am I living as a disciple? So I think that it is healthy, good, and possible to take a look at your life and see how you are doing as a disciple and, and where we might be missing the mark and this, that, and the other thing. However, I don't think that it should be exclusively a uh, an individual introspection. I think we need to also invite others into the conversation. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, if, if 
if Jesus says, you know, go and make disciples, we have to know what does that mean? What is a disciple? Um, and then we have to go back and kind of piece together what the scriptures say of what, what do disciples do? What did they, uh, what characterized them? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I appreciate that you limited it to six, but I mean, I think, I think even in those six, you could even have subcategories. 100%. I mean, and I had those in mind when I wrote those categories. Yeah. Um, but I think you could even expand it, expand it more, but I think you're trying to, to, uh, and I think rightly so just kind of junk drawer almost, mm -hmm. you know, so you can fit quite a bit in. Uh, mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, no, I think you can accurately gauge when you're healthy. Um, <clears throat> however, I do even want to be careful about saying when you're healthy, because sometimes we can be like, Oh, I'm healthy. I've arrived. Well, no. I think also part of being a healthy disciple is knowing that we need to grow stronger um, and not, not rest in, Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I, um, I, I think of like when Jesus says by, uh, by the love, you, by the love you have for one another, this, um, screwed it up. They will know that you're my disciple. Um, Hold on. Um, I got distracted by my phone. I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so John 13 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So I think, you know, Jesus reveals to his disciples Here's here's an objective. Now, love can be subjective, but we see fleshed out in Jesus's ministry and and <clears throat> after Jesus' ministry in Acts and through the rest of the New Testament, we see how um, how the authors are fleshing out what it, what essentially love looks like in the midst of in, in our relationship to God, in our relationship to one another within <clears throat> the faith and how we relate to those outside of the faith. So, so essentially the rest of the New Testament is fleshing out the gospel and its implications. If there are implications for the gospel, there are embedded in that objective truths that, you know, this is, a, this is something that indicates you are a disciple or not. Now, we also know that the heart is deceitful above all things. We know that we can deceive ourselves. We can deceive others. Now, does that leave us in a place where we should be disheartened and questioning our salvation? I would say no, not at all. Um, I would say that you know you're a disciple by the faith you have in Christ. So so Romans 10.9 says that we are saved by our confession that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for our sins, that he was raised for us um so it's so it's our confession of faith in christ that we are saved in that confession that faith is the vehicle by which we're saved that's given to us according to uh ephesians uh one and two as a gift from god um and so we've been given this faith um we've been given christ and now our lives begin to reflect that so um like 
one of the things I noticed on the survey that I shared yesterday, and we'll probably get into was we'll get into those six marks that I shared. I'm not saying that those six marks are definitive or right. or anything like that. Like you could phrase them differently. You could disagree. You might think that something else is more essential, or there probably you could list probably a hundred things. Um, but I had to, you know, I had to narrow it down, and I was trying to be very very simple. Um, but, you know, as I was looking at some of the responses, I noticed a trend at one point, like there were a lot of people who had some of the inward like beliefs or when it came to their, their relationship, when it was just them and God, um, they might like self-identify as being really high on the scale. It's called a Likert scale. So they were like fives, which is the top of the scale. But then when it came to some of the outward actions of a disciple being generous and people struggled. Right. And, and I think that we all struggle. And like, so, so Mike, I couldn't, I actually couldn't tell who responded. I thought I, I thought I'd be able to, I wasn't able to. Um, So, so like Mike could have scored a five on everything, but that's like, that's great for now. But like a year from now, you could be on a three on that scale. Like you could really be struggling for a whole number, for a whole host of reasons. So like the, the Christian life is a path. It's a journey and different obstacles come up. So, um, you know, uh, Luther would call those, those obstacles, the, the impediments we face or the trials that we face in this life as a blessing. They are sent to us by God um, to test our faith, not to see whether or not we're worthy, but to encourage us in the faith and to show how faithful God is to us as children. So um, I think there are objectives. Like if you look at the fruit of the spirit, right? So we look at the fruit of the spirit and a lot of people might teach those. And Mike, maybe, maybe you found this whenever you worked in, in uh, youth ministry or in camp ministry or anything like that. But oftentimes what I find is, um, youth ministry and in other places, we didn't even do it in, in the church as a whole. We preach and teach the fruit of the spirit as something that you need to do. Like you need to be gentle. You need to do these things. And that might be something, th- those are things that are good and evident in our lives. However, there are things that we grow into. Like you don't, you don't just wake up one day, you're saved. And all of a sudden you're gentle, you're kind, you're merciful. You're, you're all mm-hmm. like, that just doesn't happen. Um, and, and that has been the tradition, like that's been our understanding, um, throughout the apostolic and historic tradition of the faith that when we read, um, that passage, um, there are things that we grow in, in life. So you could look and say, man, am I more gentle now than I was five years from now? If not, why might that be, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that doesn't mean you're not a disciple, but that might mean that, Hey, this is an area that you struggle in. Mm-hmm. And all of this is to the glory of God, you know, so we live out our lives to the glory of God. Um, so, yeah, you got, you got to comment on that, Mike? No, I think that's good. Okay. Are you sure I didn't, you got any uh, Berkshire work you're, you're doing right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Mike, why don't we go ahead and talk about these, these six uh, marks of a disciple that, that I listed out. So um, why don't I share, share them. And then you can kind of, we can just talk about whether or not you believe that is an essential mark. And then how does that play out in someone's life? So the first one is disciples believe and repent. Well, 
I think that's just the I think that's just the starting ground. I mean, disciples have to believe something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and specifically, they need to believe something about their sin and who Jesus is. Um, and so I think that would be the, the foundational block of what a disciple is. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you can't be a disciple and not think that there's anything to repent of because what did Jesus Christ actually mm-hmm. do then if, if there's no ne- necessity of repentance? So uh, I, I would say that's probably the foundational, I think, rightly so to, for you to put it on the first first mark. So well, speak. I think it's the defining characteristic of a Christian. Mm-hmm. To, that's mm-hmm. why I listed it first. And you see that early on in the Gospels, right? So so John the Baptist and then Jesus, I mean, they're both preaching the the, the kingdom of heaven. They're preaching the kingdom of God. Um, but they are saying, repent uh, mm-hmm. and believe. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Yeah. And you're repenting first and foremost of your unbelief, yeah. um, which is our greatest sin. Our greatest sin is our unbelief in God. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're repenting of your unbelief and you're putting your faith in Christ. You're putting mm-hmm. your belief in Christ. So, um, re- repentance and belief that is essential. And pretty much everyone that took that survey, um, scored a 20 or above on that whole section. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, and I think the first question on that survey was essentially, essentially, do you believe, the, the essentiality of, of Christ. Um, do you believe Christ to be your savior right. and, and all that stuff? So, um, yeah, I mean, you, ha- you we're called to live a life, uh, uh, live a life in keeping with faith and repentance. So faith and repentance isn't just a one-time action. In mm-hmm. fact, we are continually to, we're continuing to believe God and his promises while we're also, um, we're repenting of the areas of unbelief. We're repenting of areas of sin. We're repenting. Uh, we're repenting daily. Um, mm-hmm. We're mortifying the flesh in our sin. Right. So, it, that's what I think Paul means when we carry our cross, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think it was Luther who said that the life of the Christian is a life of repentance. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Central, central. Um, the next one, disciples live in community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So you're not just a you're you're not just a, a lone wolf. You know, you're not mm-hmm. saved from your sins, but you're saved also into not just saved from your sins, but you're mm-hmm. saved into a people. You yeah. are saved into a community. Um, you are made. You go from enemy enemy to friend. Mm-hmm. Um, you become part of your. No, you're not a child of God. You then are a child of God. And so um, it, it's all nice and good to have your salvation, but you don't really truly know what it means to be a disciple until you've also joined a community uh, to express what it means to live as a, as a disciple. Well, you're, you're adopted into God's family. When you're, when you're saved, when God saves you, he saves you into a family and and when you when you're adopted into that family, you're called to to be part of a local expression of that family. And when you when you don't do that, then you're essentially rejecting your adoption in the sense of like, I, I want all the I want I don't want to be part of this family. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like I I want my dad, but I don't want anybody else. I hate mm-hmm. his kids or I dislike his kids and, and all that stuff. So. <clears throat> When when I talk about you know we are living in community, it's it's 
it's not just being part of a local church, but it's, it's, it's what life looks like in that local church. So that's like you cherish communion, like the Lord's table, taking the bread and wine of, of Christ and in, in remembrance of, of um, his death and what he's, uh, what he accomplished for us at the cross. When we, uh, baptism is where it's found. Um, it's one of the reasons why I think baptisms at camps and all that other stuff. I mean, it's, it's outside, uh, it's outside the purview of a, of a camp. You know, it's just, it's, it's not, it's something that needs to be done in the midst of, of that local expression, that community. Um, you know, that's where church discipline happens. It's where accountability happens. It's where encouragement happens. It's where you disciple one another. It's where you live with one another, among one another, caring for each other, uh, meeting each other's needs, both physically and spiritually. Um, we are called not to a life of autonomy, but a life in which we give ourselves up for the gospel. We, we uh, crucify our flesh and, and we realize our life is not our own. God has saved us for his glory. And that glory um, is expressed in the local community, in the community of faith. Mm -hmm. Amen. Absolutely. Um, the next one is disciples serve the community. Now this kind of had a, this was a, a bit of a, a double meaning here where it's, it's not just serving your community as far as your church, but also serving the community in which God has called you. So like for you, that's Waterville for us, that's Johnston County. So, so God has called us to live in community, meaning the church, but he's also called us to serve uh, the community in which our little faith community resides. Mm -hmm. um, our address is not an accident as Justin Nash likes to say. Um, so, so like we look at our resources, we look at everything that we have. So our resources aren't just finances. Mike, what are some other resources we might have? Prayer. Okay. You know, uh, facility to some degree. Uh, th this is one that I, that I struggle, struggle a little bit with because okay. I see, I see both. Yes. And amen. We need to serve the community we live in and the, the whole buzzword of missional being missional and everything like that. Uh, but you can easily almost become too entrenched in that and lose the gospel focus. Um, you know, be, for, for example, uh, Paul, you know, I believe the New Testament talks about, yes, everyone is your neighbor, 100%. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can't just walk by the hurting person just because they're not a believer, uh, so to speak. But at the same time, um, we are called to, as Paul says, start with the household of faith. Yeah. So uh, I think it was actually, I think I listened to Dever this morning talk about this on his pastor's talk mm -hmm. podcast. And, and essentially like if you, if, if you look at who we're supposed to care for as Christians, like, like we are literally supposed to serve everyone. We're, we're to serve our enemies. We're to serve our neighbors. We're to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to serve our nuclear family. Our, our uh, husbands serve wives. Wives serve husbands. They serve their children. They serve their fathers and mothers. You know, but it, it's like a you have you have kind of this general responsibility, and then you have a more narrow, more focused mm -hmm. responsibility. So I still have responsibility for my community, but my first. Uh, responsibility is to like my wife, my mm -hmm. kids, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of expands out from there, which I appreciate how he said that. So I don't disagree with you, Mike. And I, and I do, I think it's important for us to understand the difference between outreach and, um, and service opportunities. Now, service opportunities, like giving food to people, can turn into outreach opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just need to, you need to really wrestle with that. How, how does that happen? But when I talk about resources, Mike, I'm not just saying like, oh, well, we have a facility. We have finances mm-hmm. or whatever. But like you have time to give. You have talents. Mm-hmm. You have um, these different – you have your possessions, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, it could be as simple as, man, I don't have a lot of money, but I know like the old lady down the street who's 75 years old needs help getting to the doctors. Mm-hmm. So I can't re- – like I can spare the five bucks in gas it's going to cost, mm-hmm. but – and I have the time. So let me use my vehicle to help her. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have time to rake her leaves or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. And – spend time with her. I'll go over there and have a cup of tea or coffee Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. And as you're spending time with her, looking for opportunities to share Christ, you know, how, how can I share Jesus with this person? And maybe she already knows Jesus. Well, great. Now you just served your neighbor. Um, You just served uh, a fellow sister in Christ or, you know, that's, that's good. That's really good. So God has called Mm -hmm. us not only to live in community, but to serve in community um, narrowly and broadly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, disciples are radically generous. So mm. this one, this was one that I think that some people struggled with, which I understand like uh, oftentimes um, when it comes to finances, we can be um, because we have a Western cultural mindset you know, we, we, we look at our resources and we want to leverage them for more resources or, or different resources. We don't always look at it through a lens of, well, how can I serve God or my neighbor with this? Mm So um, I just want to share, like, listen, if you struggle with that, a lot of people do like, Mm -hmm. you know, don't be downtrodden, but understand God has been radically generous towards you in sending his son, Jesus Christ to save you. Um, we are likewise to be generous with those around us. So um, what might generosity look like uh, in your life, Mike? Well, I mean, number one, it starts with what, you know, what I do with my paycheck, so to speak. And that's where we automatically go is, you know, tithing and this. And even in your, your paper, you mentioned like giving your money to church planting, this, that, the other thing. And I, uh, I would just be cautious about all these listing, all these different things you should be giving your money to, because at some point you're going to run out. <laughs> there's, there's, there's more, there's more things to support than, but you, you also need to be, and as we talked about resources earlier to serve the community, we also need to be generous with our time. Uh, we need to be generous with the, the material possessions, our homes, um, our cars, you know, to, you know, par- I think in a lot of ways, serving the community and being generous over have a lot of overlap because it's in our service to our fellow human slash also fellow believers, fellow disciple is where the generosity shows up. Well, Mike, I, I also think like generosity um, and you're right. Like we do need to be careful to overburden ourselves and others with like, Hey, here's like a thousand things you should give money to. Um, I hardly ever feel bad about saying no to giving to something because I give to, 
I, I just give to a lot of different things, things I'm passionate about. Um, and I think that, you know, if God, if God gives you a passion for it in, in church lingo, we say, if, if he lays it on your heart, um, so if God lays it on your heart, then by all means, see what you can do to give and figure out a way. Like, and, and here's the thing, if you're maxed out and like, listen, I can't give anymore. Like I just can't. If God's really laid it on your heart, you'll figure out a way. Right. Like, like there's tons of different ways. You might sell something on Craigslist or not Craigslist. I don't think we do that anymore. Uh, Facebook marketplace or whatever. And be like, Oh man, I made 50 bucks on this old used couch. I'm going to send it, you know, and you might not think $50 is a lot of money, but to whoever you might be sending that money to, it could be, a, it could have a huge impact. So it's not, but it's not just finances. Like we could be generous with how we interact with one another. Um, so if you think of like, most people fall on a spectrum of either seeing the worst in people or best in people. And, and I think that as Christians, we should always err on the side of, of being gracious with people, trying to see the best in folks, but also knowing like, listen, if someone screws you over, you know, once or twice, like, okay, well, they've given you evidence to the con contrary that you should see the best in them. But until they do, you know, um, I think it's a level of generosity when we, when we make it a practice to, to look at others uh, with the best set of eyes. So mm -hmm. um, you can be generous with your time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think about this, you know, um, there are a couple of, like you and Luke, I know I can call out of the blue um, and you guys will answer the phone calls. And it's the same, same way for me where, you know, I, I have a few people that I will, I hate talking on the phone, but mm -hmm. if, if these people call, like I'll answer no problem, um, regardless of what I'm doing. And, and I've known guys like Lou going is a great example. So he's, he's super generous with his time. Um, he's put up parameters and boundaries and stuff like that. Cause he's in retirement, but he's also doing some other stuff, but like, he's spent so much time with younger guys like ourselves and helping shepherd us and pastor us and helping us become better pastors and understand the ministry to cherish Christ more. Um, I just, I, I, I look up to a guy like Lou and just see how generous he's been to me and to others in similar situations and just been very generous mm. this time. So Absolutely. it doesn't just have to be finances. Um, next. And, and we're pretty close to, to the end we got two more disciples pray faithfully um mm. did you when i when i laid out those questions did you find those like could you call it that those kinds of questions were coming or were they a little bit surprising well no i mean really <laughs> no because i mean if you ever read have ever read a book about like spiritual disciplines mm -hmm. Uh, that's really what it is 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 does a does a disciple engage in the things that mature you the disciplines that mature you you know repenting believing you know serving um praying you know I, I would say maybe you know one thing if we were to talk about anything that might be uh you know but no uh, you know reading the bible following you know knowing and following the t teachings of jesus yeah um so yeah, no, I I I would have been surprised if it weren't there. Yeah. Uh, I would say it's probably 
in my life and I would say the general life of the Christian, probably the one area that is probably the, the weakest in most disciples' lives. Uh, so, so the questions I laid out in praying faithfully it, it, it is essentially like, are you praying for your church, your church, your fellow church members, your church leaders, you know, God to direct and give wisdom to the leaders in your church? Are you praying for the lost? Are you praying that God will reveal your own sin? You know, those types of things. Um, so, so it is, you know, we see it in the rhythm, not only of the, of the church in the new Testament, but we see it as a rhythm, um, for the Jews of Israel, um, in, in prayer was a regular part of their, of their lives. And it's a way in which we commune with God. We communicate with God. It's a way that we learn, lay our burdens at the cross. It's where we get comfort. When, you know, we, when we confess our sins to the Lord and then we're assured that we're forgiven, um, what I've, what I've realized in my life and in talking with other folks, Mike, is that I've said this from the pulpit, that the Bible never commands you to pray every day and to read your Bible every day. That's a construction of, of American evangelicalism largely. That you do these things, and that's what a good Christian does. I don't think that's the case. Um, you see in the New Testament more fully a picture of how people grow, and it's by living in community in their in their church in the, in in service to the Lord. Uh, but that doesn't mean that these aren't important to mm. to the vibrancy of our faith, to mm. the vibrancy of our spirituality. So um, I've often noticed going back outside of that little bracket right there. Um, I've noticed in my own life that my own spiritual vitality rises and falls largely with how deep and how well, how far I go into the scriptures and how the quality of my prayers, not necessarily the frequency of my prayers, but like, am I really going to the Lord in prayer? Like, am I, am I going, am I going to him with a humble heart seeking his wisdom and not just trying to check off a block? Um, what's going on? Hold on. <laughs> oh, okay. There, there's a plow. Someone plowing outside, and it, it sounds like they're in our driveway, but it's but they're not. It looks like the way your eyes were shifting. It looked like maybe um you were being surrounded, and you're about to get attacked or something like that. Well, it's kind of what it feels like. Like I'm not quite sure where I wasn't quite sure where the sound was coming from. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, so prayer is a means of grace that God gives to us to communicate with him and that he blesses us in assuring us of our salvation, of our worthiness, like that he has bought us with, with the, the blood of Christ. Um, it is, it is an important part of our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, lastly was, Disciples learn to follow Christ's teaching, which we kind of already touched on. But mm. it, that, that that means like, are you are you getting into the Word of God? Are you not just like trying to read it to, to try and get your yearly plan done? But are you like really reading it for substance and trying to understand what God's communicating and wrestling with it? Um, mm. And and then when you wrestle with, like to me, the greatest blessing, man, like one of the not the greatest, but one of the best blessings in my life is when I wrestle with a piece of scripture and learn something like pick up on something that I had not seen before. 
and then realize that I've been living my life in a way that doesn't line up then seek to repent, you know, like, like, and, and to me, it's just like, man, this is such a blessing to have God's word ready, readily available to me. Um, that can just open up at any point of the day, any point of the day. Um, so it's something like, I think, I think, you know, this can happen in the local church by getting together with just one other person and reading the scripture and praying together. It could be, um, it could be being part of a small group or a Bible study or whatever your church might call it. Um, but, but I think studying the Bible personally and corporately is really adds to the vibrancy uh, of our faith. Um, and it's just, it's a blessing, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And then that's, you know, that's why, you know, Hebrews writes that the word of the Lord is a double-edged sword. You know, because it cuts through so many things down to the, you know, the, down to the marrow of the, of the heart and the bone. And so, a- absolutely. I mean, that, that's, you know, oftentimes, you know, people will structure what they believe a disciples to be out of the great commission, you know, so go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit and teaching them to obey all that. I have commanded them. And so they often, you know, have three marks, you know, going, uh, baptizing and, and teaching. Um, but yeah. And then in the, in the teaching, you know, you would have the believing and, and the assumption under baptism is that you believe unless you're, you're a baby baptizer, but we can talk about that at a at different time. Um, Listen, I, I was almost there not too long ago. Well, you were also very dejected, and you you often find yourself in more reformed camps, and so it's not too when you're that when you're you're that dejected about where where you're at. Infant baptism doesn't seem like too much too far of a hurdle to be able to jump to. Uh, except for Tom Lawry. Tom Lawry thinks it's like this. He thinks it's the sign of the apostate. Um, he. <laughs> well, you know, Mark Dever's not too far off because I think I read somewhere that he said. Uh, you, you know, something to, to the effect of if you don't believe in infant baptism and and you do get baptized or baptize an infant, then it's a sin or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. But yeah. so, so yeah, no, no, f- several weeks ago now, I mean, I, I went into a deep dive, man. I read probably, I don't know, maybe 1,500 pages or more on uh, covenantal baptism and whatnot and wrestling with some stuff. And um, because I am, you know, I, I do believe in covenantalism, um, but I've just like, I was really trying to wrestle with like, wh- why do I believe in, in uh, believers baptism? Is it because it's a, uh, it was a cultural like aspect of the faith that I just kind of held on to, but didn't think through critically, mm-hmm. or is it something that I like genuinely believe the scriptures <clears throat> teach? And, um, so then like I started engaging with, with a lot of Presbyterian authors, um, started really digging more into like what Calvin had to say along with others and, and they make some very compelling arguments. Um, but then I, I just got to a certain point where I, where I said, nope, here's, here's where I differ. Um, and so it was good. That was like a huge blessing. And that's, and that goes into that last part, like learning, 
what the Bible teaches, learn what Jesus teaches and then applying it. Like, cause I wrestled with it. Like, I think I mentioned, mm-hmm. I think I texted you like, Hey man, if I became a Presbyterian, would you not be my friend anymore? Uh, you know, and, and I like said, said some things to some other folks, um, kind of like half joking, but also feeling like, man, this has been like my group for the last several years. Uh, so to, to leave, I mean, that's a huge, that's huge. That's a huge commitment, especially over the last, you know, few months in conversation about planting a church within our denomination. Like, wow, that would really suck. Uh, so, so I really need to wrestle with this now on the front end rather than the back end. Mm-hmm. So it was just really helpful to me. It really strengthened me um, in, in my understanding of baptism. So, yep. um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think every, in all reality, every Christian should wrestle through that. I agree. You know, cause it's not as cut and dry. Uh, although in some ways it is, you know, what shall we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized. Well, you think like, so, so like in, in conversation with somebody else, like who is like, listen, infant baptism, uh, like there's no justification for it in scripture. And you're like, okay, well, hold on. What are you, what are you talking about? And, and their belief was that all infant baptism was baptism of regeneration. Right. And that's just not the, that's not the case. That's, yeah. that's kind of like the more the United Methodist view, the Roman Catholic view to some extent, I believe um, the Lutheran view might be in that camp as well. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. that is not the reformed view at all. No, it's not, not at all. So, um, basically it's the new covenant circumcision yeah Um, and there's a lot and there's a lot of good arguments for it but i but it can be good arguments and not be convincing and that's where i landed there were good arguments but they weren't convincing so um yeah it's good to be you know to really wrestle with some stuff Mm -hmm. um mike as we close up man uh Man, what are you what are you gonna do? I'm, we're not gonna be able to do the show next week. Why not? Because I'm gonna be down in Florida. Oh, okay. All right. So the people will survive, as you can tell. We've got such a large listening crew today that um, I'm sure we'll be there'll be a big gaping hole next week if we don't. Maybe you and Erica could do like a little. Uh, you guys could come on and, and have like a little Alex show. <laughs> She doesn't need that type of embarrassment. <laughs> uh, because you would embarrass her? Yes. Okay. Maybe she could do announcements for you, though. <laughs> well played. Um, for those who don't know, you need, first off, if you don't follow Mike on social media, particularly, um, did I say it correctly that time? Particularly? <laughs> yes, you said it fine. Um, you, you got to follow him on Facebook because he likes to he likes to post some embarrassing videos on there. And yeah. last week he, he shared a video of him butchering announcements at his church. Yeah, butchering. Yeah, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, I don't know why. I, you know, it was my first Sunday back from vacation, and just all of a sudden in the moment, I just felt real overwhelmed, and it just went downhill from that. I think well, I think I might be experiencing many little panic attacks occasionally, and I think one hit me in the middle of the, the service. I think those kinds of things endear you to the congregation. I don't know. We'll see. 
Maybe not your congregation. Maybe, maybe, maybe not mine. Maybe, maybe they need to take the survey and learn about being generous. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I'm sorry. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say, man. Oh, if you're having many panic attacks, maybe you should go see, you know, a professional, Mike. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, I hear TV in the background. That's uh, my wife listening to us in uh, in the kitchen. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, we made we made it on the TV in the in the Mike Alex house. It's actually her phone. Oh, okay. All right, that's not nearly as cool, but all right. <laughs> uh, what do you get? So, what do you guys have on tap for the rest of the week? Considering you're stuck in the house, last night you had Chinese food. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't asked what the the menu is for the week, but. Uh, there's only so much takeout you can do and still afford your mortgage. So d- does, so are you making Erica do all the cooking, even though she's had COVID the worst? Hold, hold on. She has not had COVID the worst. I thought that's what you said. She has it the worst right now. Uh, okay. My point oh, still no. stands. no. Mike, shouldn't you be the one cooking and and all I've that? been very helpful. Have I not been very helpful? No. Okay, I've been you, helpful. Not very helpful. I've been helpful. You, you Luke likes to call complimentarian, <laughs> in which you make your wife just do everything. Well, I'm trying to think. What did we? I mean, I tried to help with supper last night, but the we made she made pizza and the dough the piece of the section of dough she gave to me was not cooperating and so <laughs> so so you had pizza and chinese food last night no the chinese food was a couple a few nights ago oh okay all right that's yeah. legit um one of the things uh one one of the things that we uh that we're looking forward to coming back to massachusetts is that there's a ton of really good uh chinese food restaurants so there's not really good ones down where you are. Um, if there are, we haven't found any. <laughs> That's um, a bummer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Ro- thank you, Robin. Robin said that I'm a much better cook than she is. She gladly hands over that to me. Um, we kind of share cooking duties. It kind of it kind of depends. Like it depends on the day and depends on what's going on. So. I guess we're a little bit more egalitarian when it comes to, to cooking. Um, you're probably, well, that just means according to Owen Stray and you're probably a girl. I'm yeah. I'm a man trying to be a woman apparently because I, I like to cook. Um, I enjoy cooking, man. I really do. I enjoy cooking. Um, but my wife does, Robin does a terrific job whenever she does. So, uh, but dude, I would totally like, man, if I had COVID really bad, I'm also like when I'm sick, I'm a big baby. So, so so, um, yeah. So like if, if it were all up to me, like if I were in Erica's shoes, I'd be like, Mike, baby, honey, sugar plum, whatever she calls you. I'd be like, yo, we're either ordering out or you're cooking. Cause I'm done. I'm laying in bed. I'm Netflixing and chilling. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Erica, when you have asked me to cook, have I not cooked? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I've, I, I can and capable of cooking. Occasionally, what do you like I, to cook? I even went grocery shopping yesterday. What what was I doing when you called? 
Uh, I did call you, and you said you were grocery shopping, which I thought was kind of irresponsible. I didn't say this to you yesterday, but <laughs> but I wanted to be like, bruh, aren't you? Don't you have COVID? Listen, I'm past. You're, my you're five- furthering. You're furthering the pandemic. Listen, you're the no. you're the problem, Mike. No, the CDC says after five days you can come out as long as you wear a mask. And so I'm well but beyond my five. Yesterday I was well beyond my five days, and I masked the whole time. How many masks? Just one. Why do you hate old people? That's what I want to know. Um, I'm just kidding, Mike, of course. So, so what do you have like a go-to meal that you, that you prepare for the family? No, no, No. I just pretty much cook whatever Erica has and she sends me the recipe and I try to try to do it. Uh, Oh, so she like, so she tells you what, like what to cook and sends you a recipe. Like, it's not just, Hey Mike, make whatever you want. Right. Oh yeah. No, she plans out the meals for the week. Man, that's that's great. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, man, I need to do that. I need to plan our meals better. Because <laughs> like, I figure that probably makes like grocery shopping a lot easier. Because like, if I go grocery shopping, I just pick up whatever I think we need. Yeah. No. And and then if we're like, hey, we're gonna have this for dinner, and then we don't have it, just go pick it up. Yeah. Uh, is the chagrin? Yeah, what's the sugar about? Children, is that caused by you cooking? The meal oh, the meal she plans because our children have turned into pretty picky eaters. Mm. My kid, my kid, I think last night Robin uh, baked haddock, mm. and then like one kid got fish sticks and one kid got like a mini pizza. So you know, so I can't. You know. I get it, man. I get it. <laughs> I wouldn't if I were cooking. I would have just told the kids and be like, "I ain't cook. I ain't making it for you. You make it. If if you don't want this, you make what you make something else." Yeah. So, but when I was a kid, there was no way I wasn't eating what my mom made. <laughs> she would have killed me. So, cool. Well, uh, prayers to to uh, Erica as she recovers from COVID. Uh, my prayers do not go out to you because uh, you're I'm pretty much over at risk. <laughs> yeah, you're you're pretty much like killing Waterville um, <laughs> as you go out and grocery shop. Um, no, but seriously, hey, I, I really hope um, hope she feels better soon, strengthened by the Lord, complete healing, and and all that. So that's good, Amen. man. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Anything else, Mike? I'm good. All right, buddy. Hey, thank you everyone for joining us. I hope you were blessed by our episode today. We'll probably talk more about it because sometimes when I'm going through school or or studying something, I just, I feel like I got to talk about it. So um, we'll probably talk more about discipleship at another time. But uh, if you have any questions or any comments, feel free to send them to us and uh, we'll look over them. So God bless you guys. Take care. Oh, two weeks. We're not going to have an episode until two weeks from now. So I don't know what date that is. February something. 